tell me something. Have you ever started a project and felt inspired and motivated only to find yourself lost in the middle, in the middle of some creative endeavor? You know that place I'm talking about. That is the messy, nebulous phase of creativity in between the vision and reality. It's where ideas get watered down. You start to pay attention to all of those shoulds and you get stuck. But here's the thing. The messy middle is all about the best ideas. This is where they are all hiding if we can just allow ourselves to be comfortable in exploring it. So what is the messy middle? Think of it as a crossroads between your creative vision, we'll call that the very beginning, and the finished product, let's call that the end. And depending on what kind of project you're working on, the messy middle can be an exploration of ideas, it can be a trial period or a period of trial and error, it could be some combination therein. It's not always fun getting lost in the weeds, but lo and behold, for the creative process, it's often necessary. In fact, so few projects in my own experience don't have some messy middle bits where you're wondering, am I doing this right? Is this going to be what I want it to be? So if you feel these feelings, just know that you're not alone. The best projects, it turns out, are born from allowing yourself to take risks, to explore the edges of whatever you thought possible and maybe even the unknown. And the messy middle is where our creativity and our imagination, this is where it really shines through as we have the opportunity to make something truly special, truly that has our thumbprint on it. So don't be afraid. This episode today is about jumping in and embracing this scary, awkward, messy middle. Now, I wanted to come up with a handful of strategies. I first started talking about the messy middle as a downstream effect of my friend Scott Belsky's book called The Messy Middle. Some of these ideas are shaped by him, but they're also shaped from my experience and having talked to obviously hundreds and thousands of creators all over the world. So I wanted to nail down a few strategies to help you make this enjoyment of the messy middle happen. All right, number one in my list of six is preparing your mindset for creative thinking. This is really important to remember that when you enter into a creative project, it's going to be messy. That is a feature, it is not a bug. You have to allow that to be okay. And in preparing your mindset, you're not gonna have all the answers. But that doesn't mean you can't do great stuff. In fact, that is an essential ingredient for doing great stuff. Your finished product is going to take all sorts of different forms and the fact that you can't always see that end form, let that be beautiful. I'll give you an example from photography. You show up on set, you're about to start taking pictures, you think you got everything all figured out and then some weather comes in. Most often I'll stop and say, oh gosh, we gotta wait for the weather. Occasionally, when I'm in the right mindset, I'll say, hey, look, let's do a little bit of this work. And it is sometimes in the agreeing to do the work, even when it feels um, it feels off or it feels a little bit uh, imperfect, that's when some of the best shots happen. You allow yourself to go into the middle of the project without being able to see the outcome that you originally envisioned. Some of my best work has come from that unknown. So again, what this point is about is about the mindset. Are you aware of your mind and understanding that you are not necessarily in control, that there's going to be unknowns injected into the system and that that's a good thing? The mindset is about putting yourself in that space and allowing it. All right, point two is create a sandbox or a space for your creative ideas. 
Are you in need of some space either physically, like actually, or psychologically and emotionally to start products and develop your ideas? Whether this is an area to start spreading out your crafts or your painting or your pages or the manuscript, or perhaps it's a folder on a laptop, some sort of digital folder, having a place that you have designed to put this stuff also can be incredibly helpful. Now, there's also this space in your mind, right? We ought to allow ourselves to dream. And if you go back to my book, Creative Calling, the first of the four-step process is imagine. Now, I like to spend time when I'm a little bit groggy in the morning, still lying there in bed, or, or the last few thoughts I have before falling asleep, like let your imagination roll a little bit. So I've got a little spot on my brain that, cool, that's where I'm filing these ideas where they're not fully developed, they're imagination, and I'm good with that. Now, wherever this space is, whether it's physical or digital or emotional, that's actually, I, I don't care. I just know that you have to be able to create some little sandbox, some space for creative ideas to ferment, to mix up, to set down there for a second while you work on some other things. And the sandbox concept has always been super, super helpful for me. All right. Number three, what can you do to allow creative ideas to flow. I will confess, I'll, just, I'll admit it is absolutely tempting to dive right into editing and critiquing ideas as soon as they come up, right? That is almost, almost a function of human nature. I know it's not human nature because we can control it, we can manage it, and if we actually orient a different way, that isn't our default mode of being, but it can be tempting. And so many creators that I know, they get stuck when they try and perfect some idea before moving on. However, perfection and this immediate editing of ideas can lead to you getting stuck, can lead to a bottleneck. It can lead to, I don't know, it's a sort of like a repressing, a pushing down of ideas that might need a little bit more space. This is all about, as I mentioned sort of in our intro and this particular point here, number three, think of allowing. The goal of allowing is to get a lot of stuff on the page, a lot of clay on the table, a lot of paint on the canvas, words on the page, however you think about it. Even if it's disorganized or seemingly going in, in a direction that you're not in control of, that is actually a great time to allow, right? Let your mind wander. Let um, new thoughts come in that you hadn't considered before because they may play a role in the final outcome. And if you start to orient around allowing and not judging, you might actually discover things that resonate strongly, maybe even strong enough to include them in future aspects of the project that you're working on. Now, the antithesis of that is that even if you don't use those ideas, they come up, you hold them in the space for a little bit, you consider them, you set them on the table, you bring them back a couple times, and they just don't end up in there in that final version of what that that's also okay the point is that you are you're working on being open being cracked open and allowing these ideas julia cameron's morning pages is an excellent primer and a practice for creative thinking and flow for getting your ideas out of your head and your heart and onto the paper when they're on the paper it's a lot easier a to store them b to consider them again at some point or say, you know what? I got that out of my head, my heart, my soul. I put it on page and I'm just going to leave it there maybe for some future date or maybe never revisit it again. But it cultivates 
the concept of flow. And if you're not remembering what Julia Cameron's morning pages are, this is from her book, her groundbreaking book called The Artist's Way. We've had her on the show two times. You should listen to those episodes. We just had her recently for a new work that she's got. Highly, highly recommend. Uh, the punchline, though, is Julia Cameron's morning pages involves taking time each morning to sit down and write two to three pages just you know, just flow, just whatever stream of consciousness is in your head, get that down on the paper. Thoughts, feelings, ideas, and anything else that comes to mind. That's a great practice, something that I do when I'm, especially when I'm at my best, morning pages are a regular part of my routine. Now, the key and the discipline around allowing creative ideas to flow is A, the allowing point, and B, the flowing, right? If you are not putting ideas out, generating them, putting them on the page, uh, not judging them, uh, getting paint on canvas again, words on page, um, photographs onto that memory card, then you're going to get stuck. This is about creating without editing. This is about exploring and uh, driving towards an amalgam of ideas that you can then choose from, edit, play with, remix, down the line. Don't do too much brain power here. Do a lot of, of dumping, of heart, head, soul, dumping onto the page of the canvas, whatever your medium might be. Keep momentum going throughout this part of the process. All right, that's number three. On to number four, deploy curiosity and playfulness. Now, I have been doing a lot of work around the concept of play and curiosity. Personally, I've been exploring these things. I've been writing about them. That's been a big part of what's going on in my brain. So they've been filling up a lot of my morning pages and some of my other journaling. I am a huge fan of the idea of play and curiosity. Now, creativity thrives on these two elements. This, hmm, what would it be like if I, you know, that's the curiosity, pull on this thread. And playfulness, what if... I was not attached to the outcome. What if I, my goal here was to goof off and I wasn't trying to do or accomplish anything, wasn't trying to get somewhere? That ironically is where that's like a, it's like a, a fertile ground for creativity. It thrives on this stuff and it's critical during this phase of the process to let that be. Don't take yourself too seriously. Allow yourself to experiment, throw the spaghetti against the wall as the saying goes and see what sticks. Being open-minded about new ways of looking at things is an essential aspect of this particular part of the process of play, goofing off. Remember, most of my, th I've shared this on the podcast before, most of my best ideas were generated or, or had their beginnings, their root in me saying, well, one of the things I love about this idea is that it can, it, it's so informal. It could never come to anything. And I want to allow it to be just that, just this playful, goofy thing. This is true for uh, my book, Seattle 100. It was just a fiction in my mind. It was just, oh, what if I just took pictures of my friends? It was also true for the photo app, right? I was using, was setting down my $100,000 digital Hasselblad to pick up a $600 iPhone one and taking pictures and thinking, gosh, nothing can ever come of this because these are 0.3 megapixel images. These, you know, it's on a phone. How unrealistic is this? And yet those two projects evolved to some, you know, real milestone projects in my career. So again, it's about deploying curiosity and playfulness 
about finding, discovering, allowing new ways of looking at things and not being afraid to get out of your comfort zone and stay out of your way. Now, a couple more points of detail on this number four, deploying curiosity and playfulness. How does one fulfill this curiosity? I love asking questions. These questions can you know, prompt other thoughts. They can help you explore ideas deeper or further. Um, and these, again, there's no secret weapon here. This is not something special. But some questions that I tend to ask are like, well, what haven't I thought of yet? What would be the opposite of what I'm thinking right now? Um, are there creative solutions that exist in the world that try and answer this and either do a bad job or are not aligned with the way I think this problem or this challenge or this opportunity ought to be considered? Are there resources that might help me inform my own thinking on this? Can I go see a movie or another film? Or is there a book that I should read? These are just super basic fundamental questions that I love to ask myself when I'm trying to poke at my own curiosity. The asking of questions seems to ignite this curiosity in me. I don't know if it works for you, but just try a handful of those questions. Again, specifically one of the ones that's the most powerful is what would it be if I did the opposite? If I think this is the answer, what's the opposite? And then you consider that and whether you find out something interesting or not, or you galvanize more around your original thinking. Again, I'm not here to judge that. I'm here to provide you with a couple of tools to, I don't know, see if, if you can find something, some new way through some new thread that you ought to pull on. Uh, a second way I like to think of uh, of approaching is in in sort of an experimental phase. These are a handful of exercises that I do to pursue this curiosity. There's a handful here. These may or may not be useful, but I wanted to share a couple. One is mind mapping. I love to get a big sheet of paper, if I can, you know, a piece of butcher paper, or sometimes I do this on a whiteboard, and I map my mind, all of the thoughts that are happening in circles on the whiteboard and I draw lines if these are connected or if one thought yields another one. And look, this is just sort of mapping out what's going on in my brain, putting them on paper and realizing that some things are maybe way far afield or some things are related in a way that I didn't originally expect them to be. This this concept of mind mapping, it's not my own. It's There's plenty of literature and research on it if you'd like to check it out, but I just find that that's super useful. Um, I also am a big journaler. I think writing down in, in sort of a free way, in a free sense of the word writing, just your thoughts flow, what comes to mind, and you should read mine. They, they really don't make a ton of sense, and yet I'm able to go back and extrapolate ideas when I see a certain set of words in a row. I have found that just journaling and writing what is on my mind at that moment happens to become very valuable either in that moment or at some time later when I come back to the project. I'm a huge, uh, another one here, I'm a huge deconstructor. I try and deconstruct the process or another way word for deconstructed would be reverse engineering. Like, oh, how, if I've seen that in the world, I wonder how they actually got that. Well, they probably did X and Y and maybe they did, you know, ABC, but man, it would be interesting well, this, these are different. I, I can look at this array of parts now that I've deconstructed what went into this thing, and I might recombine these in a new way. I might remix them. But this process of deconstructing, of looking at what worked for someone else or in a previous example of your own work, you know, pulling those component parts 
apart, looking them on a, you know, on a, again, whether this is a diagram or whether you're doing this in your mind, I find that the deconstruction process is very valuable because you've also heard me say this a thousand million times, almost everything's a remix, right? And so if you can organize these ideas or uh, take a handful of these key points that you've deconstructed, when you looked at a solution that you thought worked or almost worked, it ends up being pretty valuable. Um, couple more here that are just a little more off the cuff. I love to talk to other people who've done work like the, the work that I'm doing. They've done it before me. I have to be careful because they can always set bias. They can say, well, I tried this and it didn't work or never try it that way. And I try and discard those things that even our dearest, closest friends or, you know, some of the best experts in the world, they may, they may discard ideas that you find valuable that are worth exploring. But I love to learn a little bit because success leaves clues. And if you can talk to an expert, someone who's done this work before you, um, knowing that you don't want to do exactly what they're doing. Um, you know, that's where I feel like it's, it's in between that space, talking to an expert and knowing that you don't want to replicate exactly what they, what they have done is there's a little bit of room for you maybe to go in there and pry and explore and experiment. Um, last one is, uh, is participating in a group setting, not dissimilar to this expert idea, but grab a handful of people who are interested in similar topics and throw some stuff on the table. Say, Hey, here's a problem. I want to get, you know, each of your thoughts on this thing. This is great to do over dinner, or I just had a little retreat up at our, we have a little place up at the beach and I went up there with a couple of friends and we tackled a few problems. I wouldn't call them existential problems, but these were creative ideas that I was been wrestling with. And I got a ton of really good feedback and, uh, and I would say new thought starters for me to go away and do a bunch more work. Um, one little one I'm going to eke in there that I haven't mentioned, you know, like getting outside and moving your body in these moments where you're either stuck or you need time to think. It is not a mistake that the best ideas do not come when you're sitting there staring at the page. It's when your mind is lightly distracted with some other activity like walking, for example. This is why so many great ideas come in the shower. So what can you do to step away, take a break for just a hot minute? The bullet point here is look at overall of whether it's mind mapping or taking a walk or you know touching base with experts, the more willing you are to explore uncharted territory or to, or to poke or push against walls that you thought might be um, firm, but are otherwise you'll come to find out soft. We push on this wall, it moves. You're like, oh, wow, I thought that was a fixed item in my universe or in my brain. The more you're able to explore and poke around in these areas that you uh, have little to no experience or are excited to spend time in and around, the more likely it is that you'll stumble across something that fires you up and gets you going in a really special, unique direction. All right, that wraps up number four, which is deploying curiosity and playfulness. A handful of concepts there and a handful of tactics. Um, five is almost sort of an edict. And this is to stay inspired, you need to color outside the lines, right? You need to take time to explore topics, ideas, and or thoughts that are adjacent to your project, but beyond what you thought the original scope was. Now, 
I like to call this the fringe, for example, or I have described it in previous podcasts or on stages as, you know, if, if the trunk of what you're doing is building a photography business and the tree has branches and whatnot, the fruit, the fruit, it grows all the way out at the edge of the branches, right? You're not going to find some, you know, a, a peach that grows directly out of the trunk of a peach tree, right? The trunk has branches, branches have smaller branches, which in turn have smaller branches and the fruit is out there at the edge. So this is why I like going to the edge of ideas, right? Because that's where so much of the fruit is. I call this the fringe. If you're writing a story, for example, about a musician, researching music theory and music histories, uh, that's obvious, but what is just beyond that? What's the art that musicians in that time were attracted to? What are who were some contemporaries of a particular musician, rather that you were interested in? Who are their contemporaries? Who did they hang around with? Remember, that's where some, some sometimes the best stuff is just way out there and just one click past what you originally had envisioned. Now, this is where you are likely to make connections that you could not see from wherever you were when you kicked this project off. This is where some of my best ideas came, right? This is uh, an example here is um, it was in studying the artists of the 60s, 70s, and 80s in New York, right? Jean-Michel Basquiat, Andy Warhol, Robert Rauschenberg, um, that, that they were doing art whose primary goal was to push the boundaries of what art was. So it was doing art about the art world, their understanding of the mediums that they had historically been operating in. And it was through that idea that I actually, again, go back to early 2000s, started making films and photography sort of uh, stories behind the scenes about the photography that I was making. That is why I had a full-time video person in 2004 following me around taking videos of shoots. It was doing work about the work. That's, you know, that was a direct um, extrapolation that I'd made from learning about artists in the 60s, 70s, 80s in New York. So regardless of what this is for me, I know that there are things that are on the edge of your exploration of what is curious and interesting to you and that sometimes one more click, what's a different, unusual, unlikely connection that you can make that might inform that work in a way that you could not have expected. It's this perspective and experience, this, again, remixing in a new and different way that is going to lead to your best stuff. All right, that one, number five, color outside the lines. Leads me to number six, which is our last tool for today's micro show. And I call this one, when it gets overwhelming. Now, at some point in any project, maybe not every project, but almost every project, if you've really gone deep enough, you will get overwhelmed. So I felt like it was important for us to address that feeling. If you're feeling overwhelmed or maybe a little bit lost, there is an antidote, something that help can, can help ground you and bring you back. And that is to zoom out to your purpose and your goals. Why did you start this in the first place? Oh, I started writing this novel because I want to write a novel because it's a goal of mine because I wanted to... Um, 
I wanted to test myself and I wanted to write a thousand messy, imperfect words, you know, every other day. And I thought that that might deliver a novel. I wanted to find joy. I wanted to have daily creative habit. You know, if you can go back, zoom out to your goals and, and, you know, the baseline rationale for why you started, sometimes the feeling stuck also gets put in perspective. Like, wow, well, if my goal is to write a thousand sort of messy, imperfect words every day, why am I then now becoming so attached to finishing the perfect novel? Let's go back to where I started. Let's go back to just putting words on the page. And lo and behold, again, this is why the, the creating the action over intellect gets us unstuck. Furthermore, in breaking down bigger projects into smaller, manageable steps, we find a way to keep moving, right? Instead of defining that, hey, I'm going to win the Super Bowl here. Here I am, the quarterback of you know, this particular team. Just going from the quarterback at a team to winning the Super Bowl is literally impossible without a handful of steps. So the question I would pose to you, if you are overwhelmed, is how can you, in a very simple way, write a few, a handful of next steps, things that you can do to keep the ball moving? If focusing on one small piece of the puzzle does not get you going, I think you're doing it wrong. So I don't know what's wrong, but this is the way that all the best work ultimately gets done. I mean, go back to some anime movie, right? It is millions and millions of pictures, hand-drawn pictures or computer-generated pictures that are sewn together. And none of that happens without the first drawing, the second drawing, the third, the 10th, you know, the 10th handwritten or computer-generated drawing. That's how you do that, right? Rome wasn't built in a day. There's all kinds of, uh, of phrases. I don't need to beat this to death. Keep the momentum going by breaking your problem, your project down into small pieces and tackle them one at a time. Even when it feels like a chaotic pile of poo, this is the way the hardest working, smartest, most talented and successful people, fulfilled people that I know, this is how they do it. Couple tips for breaking down projects into smaller bits. One, outline project goals. This is going to help you determine what you need to get done and how long it will take. Two, break those goals down into smaller, achievable individual tasks. Like if I did X every day, this goes back to like, I want to write a book. If I wrote 500 or a thousand messy, imperfect words on a piece of paper every day for 365 days, boy, you'd have a lot of material. Number three, schedule time each day to do these tasks to accomplish this work. This is why I like morning pages. Keep going with this here, writing, writing analogy that I got going. If you wake up at you know 5.30 in the morning and from 5.30 to 6, you worked on these 500 messy imperfect pages or 500 imperfect messy words, just getting them on the page. If you did that every day for 365 days, at the end of that time, you would have a lot of material, right? Outlining goals, break the project down, schedule time. And then when you do start to create some momentum, prioritize tasks on importance and um in a technical project management way, like what's going to be a blocking task? What task, if you accomplished it or you tackled it, would topple over a lot more dominoes? Those are tasks that can prioritize and, and break you free if you're stuck. Lastly, do not forget to celebrate incremental success, especially on these, this, these aspects of projects that overwhelm us. 
when you do have some success, treat yourself. Maybe that's a, you know, a get up and a walk, a walk away from the computer for a little bit, taking your, taking a break. Maybe that is uh, celebrating a milestone with the other co-conspirators you have. If you're working on building a startup and you ship some code, you know, take yourselves out for a beer, celebrating even small incremental elements of success really helps. Now, again, the messy middle of any creative process is super frustrating, but it's also the part where ideas are uncovered, developed, and where they transform. This is important. They transform into next level special, right? This is, this is the essential step for creating things in the world, pushing through, pushing beyond this messy metal phase is the only way, in fact, that our work can get out there in the world. And with a little discipline, a good bunch of willingness to explore and play and be imperfect, this is how we can make this phase productive and inspiring as opposed to agonizing and painful. All right, final thoughts here. I'm going to wrap up on our six strategies to tackle the messy middle. Remember that creativity is a journey that requires you to explore, experiment, invent, and reinvent. It seems like, you know, when we read about this stuff in other books or in fairy tales, you have an idea, everything just flows effortlessly and perfectly, and then the idea is complete. I do not know any startup, any book, any, any stroke of genius that actually went like that. There's always this hard middle bit. So if you can start to acknowledge that being confused, having this messy middle bit and being uncomfortable is a part of the process, I hope that will help you feel better and keep going. Essentially, I do not want you to stop when you feel like you're walking through mud. That is the time to keep churning. This is when you continue to execute. This is that when Hopefully this episode comes to mind that I just have to keep putting one foot in front of the other. So do me and more importantly yourself a favor and kick these six strategies into high gear and see if it can't create maybe a breakthrough, but if not a breakthrough, just a little more momentum. Again, so much of this process, the creative process, any process, but specifically the creative process is about doing work in small bits over time and not quitting. Momentum is a difficult thing to stop. And the only way that I know to create it is to keep putting energy into the system. All right, then. I hope you enjoyed today's micro show. Send me a note if this helped or if you have some questions, I'm always listening. And until next time, I bid you adieu. All right. Hey, before you go, thanks so much for listening. And if you got value from this show, Chances are your community will too, right? In the particular lies the universal. Please share this link to the show with a friend or mention the show on social. That is a huge benefit for us in hopefully in exchange for providing value to you. I want you to know that I really appreciate your time, the attention, anything that you give to the show and the questions that you ask our guests either on social media or through my text community all of that is pure gold. This community, like any community, is a testament to that old phrase, a rising tide floats all boats. And by elevating one another, by sharing and resharing this show, the tidbits that you learn and the experiences you take away, all of that has a collective, massive positive impact on the world. So just a quick thank you. I appreciate all the effort you put into sharing for this show. All right, that's a wrap. Let's put today's episode into practice and get back 
to growing together.